Welcome to the sermon podcast of Christ Lutheran Church in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania. We are glad that you are here. At Christ Church, we believe that God is alive in Holy Scripture, inspiring, challenging, and guiding us today. As we journey through the Bible together, we bring our hopes, our pain, our questions, and our doubts, trusting Jesus to meet us here full of grace. Christ Lutheran Church is a special place of healing. May the word of God bless you today. So today we are continuing on in our series on the book of Revelation. Good job, y'all. And I have been so uh, encouraged to hear from uh, some of you uh, about your feelings about this book and your experience of this uh, reading of Revelation together. Some of you have shared uh, that indeed you did find this book a little scary, uh, a little, a little um, intimidating. Maybe it had been used in the past to, to create some fear and shame in you. A lot of people had felt that it just had to do with some a fiery end of the world. But we have been experiencing something in this book a little, a little more than that, I would say. We have seen with St. John of Patmos what is being revealed is the revelation of Jesus Christ, which we don't need to be afraid of. That's the good news. So far, we've been with John uh, in, his heaven, in this heavenly throne room. There are 24 elders on the throne There is a multitude of singing angels. Uh, There are these six-winged living creatures uh, full of eyes. And we've seen, while these images from John's vision are are bold, they're a little unusual probably to us, uh, they are scenes of glorious worship. They are scenes of unity uh, between heaven and earth and unity of the earth. In praise of God. Last week we met the Lamb of God and we came to know this seven horned, seven eyed Lamb of God as our ally who suffers with us, who fights for us, who died for us, and who defeated death for us. But I I also don't want to give the impression that Revelation is not full of images that are scary. Revelation comes by its reputation honestly because Revelation asks for us to take a good, hard look at evil, which does exist in the world. Revelation does not ignore or deny the realities of earth, that much of life doesn't often feel like glorious worship. Some of life is indeed scary. And so today we're going to meet uh, the four horsemen of the apocalypse. And we are going to hear about the pain that they bring to earth. But first, I want for us to remember something. I want for us to remember how this book begins with God, the alpha, the first word of creation that declares creation good. We have to hold on to that. It tells us at the beginning, this is good. 
but we see in this life both good and evil, don't we? And so John's vision deals with both good and evil. This week, the U.S. Senate um, approved the advancement of uh, Chaplain Kerry Cash to uh, be promoted as a one-star admiral. Chaplain Cash was one of my instructors at chaplain school this summer. And in addition to, to teaching us how to be chaplains to a Ford to Ford deployed force of, of Marines or sailors at a long sea tours, Chaplain Cash also taught us, and you'll have to ask me about this after worship, but he taught us about the merits of a, a chocolate chip cliff bar with peanut butter on it for lunch every day. That's what he has. And it's it sustains him. It got him all the way to an admiral. So uh, I've been trying to adopt that occasionally. Um, but before all of that, nearly two decades ago, Chaplain Cash graduated from chaplain school and was immediately assigned to the 1st Battalion of the 5th Marine Regiment and was deployed right away to provide ministry to the infantry Marines during the opening months of Operation Iraqi Freedom in 2003. Chaplain Cash was sent from the very classroom that that I had been in to the front lines of one of the bloodiest conflicts in modern warfare. His congregation was a force of Marines on the battlefield. He was a pastor who cared for a flock of young people who each day faced the stark reality of evil in the world. They saw violence and death and war and poverty and hunger, and disease. And Chaplain Cash had to not only care for those who were asked to kill and and were killed, to comfort the dying, the maimed, the broken, the homesick, but to lead worship services in the midst of all of this, to have communion on the hood of a Humvee, to sing hymns, and read scriptures and to preach the good news when at any minute the call could come and his congregation would rush out into battle. When Chaplain Cash got to Iraq in those early days, worship service would would draw just a modest crowd, a few faithful Marines to worship, but after those battles really got geared up, He saw his congregation week after week grow and grow and grow until there were hundreds and hundreds of Marines gathering for worship each week. They were the ones who were coming out of a great ordeal, is how Revelation puts it. They faced fear and death and killing and the great question of how is it that all this brokenness could exist in a world where God is on the throne? But as they faced that question, rather than it lead them away to doubt, it led them to hunger for God's response, which they went seeking in worship. Ultimately, the book of Revelation is a book about worship and for worship. Many scholars actually seem to think that that John intended this book to be read out loud as part of a worship service, to be performed, in fact, in worship. 
Because remember, at the very beginning of a book, it says, blessed is the one who reads aloud the words of the prophecy, and blessed are those who hear it. So it's not really a book that we're meant to uh, just go home and study privately by ourselves in, in a devotion. You can, you can, but it's kind of like reading a play script when you, you really just need to see that play come alive on the stage. It's designed for worship. It's, it's a book full of singing. It takes place in the context of worship in that throne room. And so that's why we are encountering the book of Revelation in worship over these many weeks. The book of Revelation is like the Bible's version of a chaplain leading worship on a battlefield. Because Revelation brings worship into the many battles of our lives. It uses worship of God to confront evil and injustice and war and suffering. Revelation actually elevates the role and the importance of worship in a world that is hurting. Worship isn't just a place to escape the troubles of the world. It is a place to name evil, to put it into perspective, to bring evil out of the shadows where evil is said to thrive and bring it into light, into the light of of God, under the power of God. I mean, what is it that, that... would lead battle-weary Marines to come to worship. It wasn't only that they, they wanted a place to escape the chaos, to, to rest, to be comforted, comforted, but it was indeed all of those things. But it is also a place where they were able to bring the pain that they experienced into the presence of God where healing was found in the form of prayers and of songs and the gospel and the sacraments. All of worship took on a new and important life-giving meaning because that worship entered into and then took seriously the reality that they were living. That's what Revelation does. That's what worship today, here in our time, can do for a hurting world. We make worship relevant. Remember last week when we met the Lamb of God, he emerged and he took uh, the scroll with the seven seals from the one that was seated on the throne. The next thing that he does in chapter six is he begins to open each of these seven seals one by one. And with each seal, the Lamb will call out with a voice like thunder saying, come. And When the lamb says this, a horse and a rider will come forth, each bringing a new and terrifying evil to afflict the earth. Now, it is not that the lamb is calling this, causing this evil, calling this evil to happen. The lamb is calling it out, revealing it as if to say to this evil, come and show yourself. Don't stay hidden in the shadows. We're worshiping here. Show yourself. St. John says, then I looked and there was a white horse. Its rider had a bow and a crown was given him and he came out conquering and to conquer. And then a horse that was bright red, its rider was permitted to take peace from the earth so that people would slaughter one another. And he had a great sword. 
Then a black horse, its rider held a pair of scales in his hand and he was measuring out food. He was deciding who would get an abundance while others went without enough. Injustice. And then there was a pale green horse. Its rider's name was Death and Hades followed him. And they were given authority over a fourth of the earth to kill with sword, famine, pestilence, and by the wild animals of the earth. Now, those are the scenes that cause us some fear, right? They're the scary ones. They're there. A red, black, green, and white horses taking peace from the earth, causing people to slaughter each other, causing pandemics and plagues and famines, nations on endless quests to conquer. This is revealed to St. John. And it's not because it's what we have to look forward to at the end of the world, is it? It's because what has been unleashed on the world all along. It's been since the beginning of time. This evil, this brokenness, this sin has troubled the people of God since Adam and Eve ate from that tree, since Cain killed his brother Abel. This isn't a scene of the end of the world. It's the world today. And the lamb calls it out. Why is the world like this? Why this evil? Why, if we are faithful to God, do we continue to face suffering? I've been asked this question from college students, from middle schoolers, grieving mothers, naval officers, clinic patients, clinic staff. I've asked it. I bet that you have asked it. We all want to know, where is God when all hell breaks loose? For very many, it's the question that finally leads them to leave the church. To walk away from a relationship with God. Others have told me that they believe that the end really is coming, that there is some suffering today that is simply too unique, that, that it must mean something more. What is the meaning of all of this? Why this suffering? Well, the Bible doesn't spend much time on this question. Why evil? What the Bible does deal with is evil. It deals with the reality of evil that takes place. And it brings this reality of evil under a greater reality. And that is the power of God's presence. God confronts evil. In Jesus, God experiences the painful effects of evil, suffering unto death. And what Revelation reveals as the Lamb calls all of this evil out, even this chaos of suffering and war and disease and injustice, what this reveals is that it is not more powerful than God. That God is over all of this, more powerful than all of this. Revelation isn't about making us afraid of the judgment that is to come. It's to make us hopeful that this judgment means the complete destruction of everything that is against God. All that has wounded God's precious creation. All that has caused anguish and despair. 
Beloved, our faith does not spare us from the suffering of the world. To be human is to suffer. Many suffer more than what seems fair or right. But it is what it is to be human. And yet, God's promise is sure and true. That this evil will not overwhelm us. That nothing, not even suffering, not even death can separate us from the love of God. And revelation is the opportunity to worship God in response to the assurance of God's very real, very powerful presence in a good world. This hope is what allows people of faith to stand up against great odds in the face of evil in all of its forms. This hope in the promise of God gives us the strength to respond to famines, to those famines. We respond with what? Food. We don't just sit by as this horse rides through and and brings hunger and injustice. No, neither does God. Neither do we. We respond to it. We respond to wars by welcoming and helping refugees. We heal diseases as best we can, and where we can't, we care for the sick. We fight for what is right. We stand up for the oppressed. We, we dig out our sisters and brothers out of, of the rubble of earthquakes and hurricanes and floods and war. We do this. Christians do this. To gather in churches, to, to listen to the cares of our siblings, to lift them up in prayer in spite of it all, to sing out in, in praise, even as it sometimes seems all hell is breaking loose. Pastor Eugene Peterson, he said that Revelation reminds us that we are protected from the God-separating effects of evil, even as we are experiencing the suffering caused by evil. Just when it seems that nothing could stand against these horsemen of the apocalypse, just when it seems nothing could heal our divisions, that nothing can stop the drumbeat of war, here is the Lamb who steps forward and calls out this evil and who in doing so causes this amazing worship service to erupt in the face of evil. And that, St. John, he sees something else. So listen again for God's word to us today from Revelation 7. John says, after this, I, I looked up and there was a great multitude. Nobody could count them. Of people from every, every nation, from all of the tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne, before the Lamb, robed in white with palm branches in their hands. And they cried out with a loud voice saying, Salvation belongs to our God who is seated on the throne and to the Lamb. And then those angels, all of the angels who stood around the throne and around the elders and the four living creatures, they fell on their faces before the throne and they worshipped God, even as these horsemen are out there. This is what they're doing. They begin to sing. They sing, Amen. 
They sing blessing and honor and wisdom and thanksgiving and glory and power and might be to our God forever and ever. Amen. Then one of the elders addressed me. He said, so who are these robed in white? Where have they come from? And I said to him, sir, uh, you're the one that knows. And he said, yeah, the, these, these are they that have come out of the great ordeal. And they have washed their robes. They have made them white in the blood of the Lamb. And for this reason, they are before the throne of God, worshiping him day and night within his temple. And the one who is seated on the throne will shelter them. And they will hunger no more. The sun will not strike them, nor any scorching heat. For the lamb at the center of the throne will be their shepherd. and He will guide them to the springs of the water of life. And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Remember, beloved, God is not done. And through it all, we, the survivors of this great ordeal, we sing and we laugh. We even feast together when we love. To live this way is to worship God. In a world that is broken, these acts of hope honor God. They delight God. God sees us come together full of joy in spite of all that we face. That can only make God proud of us. So hopeful for us. So on the battlefields, we worship. And in hospital rooms, we sing. And on the rubbles of churches destroyed by storms, we praise God. In prisons, we pray. In soup kitchens and even by graves with tears in our eyes, we confront death with song and with worship and with acts of love. It's because we know that God is stronger than this evil, stronger than our fears, that the Lamb is at the center of it all, our shepherd who even now is guiding us to the springs of the waters of life. Because we know that God will wipe away every tear from our eyes. And we will drink deeply, deeply from those healing baptismal waters. It will be so. Amen. You have been listening to the sermon podcast from Christ Lutheran Church in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania. We are honored you joined us. If you're in Harrisburg, we welcome you to join us for worship on Sundays at 1030. To find out more about our church as well as the free health services we offer, visit our website, ChristHarrisburg.org. Our theme music is by Lucian Kemper. I hope today's sermon blessed you and you'll join us again. Until then... May God be with you.